I remember a time when we were on a family trip, Sarah and the boys and I, and we were going to go into a museum. And as often would happen whenever we went someplace, the boys would begin to get in a little tussle. They'd start fooling around, some sort of excitement going on. And right before we went in, somehow one of the boys' tickets got ripped in half. And they came running up to me to show me the ticket, and they were especially nervous, more nervous than I thought they should be. I realized why when they showed me the ticket and realized it ripped right along the line that said, not good if detached. Although we got into the museum, it wasn't easy. We had to kind of talk to the... uh, entrance person explain the issue. I was reminded of this story because I think that Paul, the author of Colossians and much of the New Testament, would have loved it if we had on us somewhere the words, not good if detached from Christ. Because he definitely felt that if we were detached from Christ, life would not be easy. He wrote to the Colossians like he did so many of the early Christian communities to remind them what unites them. Not him. You know, he was often absent from their midst. He called them to be united around Christ. He reminded them that apart from Christ, we can do nothing, as the scriptures tell us. That no matter how separated they might be from each other, this connection In Christ, like the thread of the quilt that Tim was talking about in the children's message, would give them strength no matter what they might face. This was the charge he gave to the early church, and this is the charge that we're all called to keep. The reality is, is how we see and experience life matters, and in a way determines our very life itself. Paul believed this, and this was also the fundamental belief of the Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard. In the 1840s and 50s, when he was writing, often under pseudonyms, Europe was facing a lot of the same issues that we face today. It was a time when there was a perceived breakdown in traditional uh, customs and values and institutions, and people were feeling like they are often today alienated or feeling like they need to search for meaning in their lives. So he lashed out against the Church of Denmark because of its idealism. Like a lot of theologians lash out to churches over time because they weren't connecting to people. He felt like it was in life that faith was truly felt, not just in thoughts and ideas. So in addition to the quote, that's on the top of the bulletin when he wrote, our life always expresses the result of our dominant thoughts. He also wrote, said things like, it does not depend then merely upon what one sees, but what one sees depends upon how one sees. All observation is not just receiving, It's not just a discovering, but also a bringing forth. And insofar as it is that, how the observer himself or herself is constituted, 
is indeed decisive. So for Paul and for Kierkegaard, we see ourselves, who we see ourselves as being, and who we see ourselves as being intimately connected to, frames how we see our life. And this is basically, uh, in a way, what Jennifer Knust in our Mark lecture was sharing. That who we are as individuals, who we are as the church, frames, in a way, our faith life. So in this existential reality of our lives, we are constantly challenged to define and refine who we are. This is why in our gospel lesson, Jesus talks about pruning. It's a good subject as we move more fully and more hopefully into spring. It's a good subject as well for what it means to live a life of faith. I think you can tell from past stories I've shared that gardening has never been a strong point of mine. But there is something about pruning that's very satisfying. I remember uh, uh, just a couple years back that uh, I decided to wade into a mass of bushes that in the front of the house that Sarah and I and the boys were living in at the time. I had a few minutes and I thought, you know, even though it was late afternoon, I would just clip up the bush, bushes a little bit, get them looking uh, really nice. And it would have worked that way if I hadn't asked Sarah for her advice. Uh, uh, how, how does that look? I asked her. She said, you got to cut more. I said, uh, I did that. Um, how about now? you got to take off a little more. And that went on and on, over and over again. That sort of dialogue happened until there was hardly any bush left cut. Sarah, I found out, also loves to prune. But the idea that she had in her mind that she knew is that in the end, the plant would be more healthy and grow more sturdy and more beautiful. For both plants and for people, every now and then, it's important to address those parts of our lives which aren't doing anything to help us grow as creatures of God. So the question for all of us is, what do we need to shed? What do we need to prune? What do we need to get down to where we'll be able to live out our faith more fully? So we'll remember what it means to be who we are and that in itself and whose we are. That in itself will begin to define our life. And of course, part of the way we keep this charge that Paul and Kierkegaard have for us as human beings is to remember that we are not alone on the journey. Church happens, the body of Christ comes alive through each of us deciding that we have more than just our own individual concerns, more than just our own private needs that need to be met, that there is something greater than ourselves that binds us together, that connects us all like a quilt, and leads us to be able to do more than we would ever be able to do on our own. Thank God we have each other in this church because our world 
can at times be an unsure and unsettled experience. We need to know that there is a God and that there is a people of God who care about us. And the church needs to proclaim that. The church needs to show that in all that it does, in all that it is. We need to, in a sense, tell that story because it's a story that people need to hear in our world today. It's a story that affirms life and inspires life. It's a story that reminds me of the the best story from the marathon this past Monday, which actually came about on Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. Maybe some of you heard about it or read about it. At 5 a.m. on Tuesday, Michael Melamud, a Venezuelan man with muscular dystrophy, after 20 hours of sometimes drenching rain and wind and cold, finished the race. 5 a.m. on Tuesday. And all along the way, if you saw the news reports or read in the paper, he had supporters. For 20 hours, he had supporters who walked with him, who cheered him, who counted his steps. It was amazing to see. After the race, he said, everything hurt in the body, but in the soul Everything is shining. He said, you can't accomplish anything without a team. He said, we came here together to send a message. Boston is still strong and love is always more powerful than death and fear. You could see in this man's eyes what and who he is connected to. In the race of life, what or who are you connected to? We need to be a team for each other. We need to be firmly attached to Christ and for each other as God's love in the flesh for each other. Because life is a marathon. Kierkegaard knew it. That's why one of the books he wrote was entitled Fear and Trembling. That's a great title for a book. Paul knew it. That's why over and over again he talked about finding an inner strength that allowed you to press on. Michael Melamud knows it. He's run five marathons, but he said it all started by just running a few yards. But he runs those mar- a marathon because there's people, his team, that journeys with him. And others that stand by his side, they cheer him, they hold him, they help him find that strength and that soul that shines within him. And we, the church, can do the same for each other and for all those around us. We are charged by Christ to bear fruit. That's our purpose. That's our charge as Christians. Think about those things in your life that need pruning, those things in your life that need cutting back, 
until you too can find that inner strength, that you can find God's light in Christ that enables you to take on this marathon of life. And with the abundant sense of that connectedness to the living God, be the bearer of that fruit that Christ charges you to be. So that not only you can run the race of life, so that others can run the race of life as well. Let us pray.